First Farm in the Valley, Chapter 17, Ice for the Apple Trees. Lent began in late February, and with it, the warm weather returned. By the first week in March, the tips of all the tree branches and twigs were covered with buds of pale green. If this weather keeps up, the apple trees will bloom, said Father. I don't like it at all. There's sure to be a hard frost later, and we won't get any fruit. The next day was warmer than ever. Isn't there anything we can do? asked Mother. I'll try, replied Father. Good thing we put in the ice. He went to the ice house and brushed away the sawdust from one of the chunks. Then he pushed the ice block into a wheelbarrow, together with his hatchet and a pick and a pile of gunny sacks. Anna followed behind to see what Father would do next. As soon as he came to the cluster of fruit trees, he began to chop the ice into smaller slabs. He propped four slabs up close to an apple tree near the roots, then wound the gunny sacks around the ice to hold it in place. He did, it, did the same to each of the other six apple trees, working fast so the ice would not melt too quickly. "'You keep an eye on them,' said Father to Anna. "'Come and tell me when the ice is all melted.' At first, Anna stayed right by the trees, watching carefully to see whether the ice had melted completely away. But then she realized the ice would last a few hours, wrapped up as it was in the gunny sacks. So she ran to help Mother in the garden and went to check on the ice every now and then. Mother sprinkled holy water on some of the vegetable seeds. "'It won't hurt if we plant a few now,' she said. "'Should the frost come, we'll still have plenty of seeds left.' With extreme care, she seeded a short row each of carrots, kohlrabi, and lettuce, using only as many seeds as were absolutely necessary. By the time they had finished dinner, the ice around the trees had all melted. Once again, Father hauled more chunks from the ice house, wrapped them tightly, around the tree trunks. Twice a day ought to do it, he said. It's cold enough at night to keep the sap from rising. All through March, Father hauled ice out to the fruit trees. The pile inside the ice house began to get smaller and smaller. I hope there's some left for summer, thought Anna. Mother's plants came up and grew bigger and bigger. By the end of March, they were eating the first lettuce and the kohlrabi heads began to form. The meadows all around were thick with grass. The trees at the side of the house and all through the woods were completely covered with green leaves. Only the seven fruit trees were still mostly bare. Here and there a clump of blossoms had burst through at the end of a branch. It looked as though someone had flung a few bouquets into the bare branches to make them seem less out of place in the green world surrounding them. "'How long can you keep it up?' asked Mother, as Father prepared to go once more to prop ice around the trees." The ice should last until Easter, answered Father. By then it'll be safe to stop. Mercy on us, cried Mother. Easter isn't until late in April. I hope we get the last frost before then. She didn't say it, but Anna knew that Mother was thinking more about diphtheria than about apple trees. Over on the Wicca farm, just down the valley road a little, all the children were sick and two had already died. Now when Father came back with more news of diphtheria, he didn't say out loud what he had heard. He waited until he could speak quietly to Mother, and then he would tell only her. One evening, Anna crept out of bed to get a drink of water. Through a crack in the curtain, she saw that the lamp was still lit in the kitchen. She had been ready to push aside the curtain when she heard her parents talking and held back. I still think I should go and offer to lend Mary Wicca a hand, Frank. No, it's best you stay here, Father's voice was firm. You heard what Father Snigorsky said. We should keep to home as much as possible. Besides, 
Pete Zywitzki told me his wife was helping to take care of things. Oh, Frank, I feel so helpless. What if it should hit here next? wailed Mother, and she burst into sobs. Hush, don't talk about it. Nothing's going to happen, said Father, trying to comfort her. Anna knew she shouldn't be listening. She crept back into bed, forgetting about her drink of water. From the kitchen came the low, murmuring voices, first father's, then mother's. For a long time, Anna could not fall asleep, thinking of the wicked children and her mother's sobbing. A few days later, the worst news of all. Two more of the wicked children had died. Mary whispered it to Anna when she came in from rounding up the sheep late one afternoon and found mother openly weeping as she prepared supper. Too young to understand, Julian and Alexander sat quietly in a corner, staring at mother, wondering why she was acting so strangely. The days of April crept slowly by. Father and mother hardly spoke, and the children tried to be as quiet as possible, even though, as though they were afraid to draw attention to themselves. Anna prayed to her guardian angel every day. Please, please keep the diphtheria from coming here. On the Thursday of Holy Week, she awoke very early with a strange feeling. Poking her head out from under the blankets, she realized it was colder than usual. Out of bed she hopped, and still in her flannel nightgown, she ran into the kitchen. Mother was humming a tune as she prepared their breakfast. Anna scurried to the window, but she could see nothing at all. A thick lace of frost covered the panes. She ran to the door, opened it, and stood stock still, staring straight ahead. Everything was covered with a thick white frost that sparkled and glistened in the sunshine. Every branch of every tree, every leaf and twig on every branch, every blade of grass and every single thing that stood in the yard was coated with the shining frost. Oh, breathed Anna, everything has a mitten of white. Close the door, Anna, and get dressed. Mother's voice did not sound cross or scolding, and she still did not seem upset when later they walked to the garden and saw the lettuce and other plants wilting under the layer of frost. We might as well pick all the lettuce and kohlrabi. It won't be good after today. Never mind. We can plant more. For dinner and supper, they ate raw, crispy chunks of kohlrabi and mounds of lettuce with sweet cream dressing. On Good Friday, during the night, it snowed enough to cover the ground, and during most of Holy Saturday, the snow continued to come down. If this isn't a topsy-turvy year, exclaimed Father, we had to take the wagon to church on Christmas Eve because there was no snow. And now, if we want to go to church for Easter, we'll have to get out the bobsled. Oh, Frank, do you think we should? asked Mother fearfully. I'm church secretary. You know I have to be there, said Father. But I shouldn't think there's any harm now if you go with the children as well. We'll hurry back. Yes, by golly, I think we will all go. I'll get the bobsled cleaned up and ready. Anna didn't want to go at first, but as the day wore on and the snow grew deeper, she thought how much fun it would be gliding along in the sled. When Mother took the special Easter bread out of the oven, everything smelled so crisp and fresh and new that she was sure it was all right to go out now. That diphtheria is miles away by now, she thought as she tumbled into bed. I'm sure it went off in the other direction, just like the wolves.'